creativelyanddeliberately.com, a podcast where we will discuss how to creatively and deliberately make choices that give life meaning. Janet Hansen, your host. Thanks for joining me. You know, what we focus on expands. Let me demonstrate it with a personal story. The summer before I served a mission for my church, I worked for the state of Utah doing all kinds of miscellaneous jobs. I thought the few extra dollars an hour were going to be worth it. Not so sure it was. The crew I had worked with included me and two other guys. We'd show up in the morning, get details for the job, and then go to work. It was usually a different task every week. We picked up trash along the highway where I then discovered I had allergies. I'm originally from Colorado and had never experienced allergies like I did in Utah. We then caulked cracks in the concrete upholding overpasses. At that slight angle, my calves used muscles that rarely get used. I was sore for days. We got to spray paint numbers on concrete slabs made up the roads from beaver to cedar. That job wasn't terrible. I got in some good exercise. I even flagged and pulled tabs for newly paved roads and ruined a few clothes with tar. The hardest part of the whole job in my mind was working with Brady. He was crude and sloppy. Steve, the other guy in my crew, tried to buffer Brady's behavior, but I easily slipped into dwelling on my disgust for this guy. Day after day, I mulled over how much I couldn't stand to be around Brady. I had worked myself up to the point that I could literally gag when I thought of him. No, seriously. I did this. My negative thoughts helped me to create a monster that was much worse than what he really was. Envision with me, if you will, a freakish monster holding one end of the rope and me holding the other end. In between us is a pit so deep that all you see is the darkness emanating from this hole. We are both tugging and pulling at our ends of the rope as if our lives depend on it. If the monster pulled me hard enough on his end of the rope, I would fall into this empty pit alone. So I must pull and fight at my end of the rope or that will be the end of me. I can't see that the solution is to just let go of the rope. Letting go of the rope would end the battle. The monster on the other side of the pit would be powerless over me, a simple solution. But for some reason, It is much easier to cling tightly, fighting for our position in the war because you don't want to be defeated. But in reality, holding onto this rope is much more draining and defeating. The craziest part of the whole story is I'm the one who created the monster that I called Brady by my thoughts. I wish I could tell you that I had finally realized when I was working with him that I was the one making the situation worse. But it wasn't until years later that I learned the valuable lesson about what we focus on expands. I'd focused on everything I couldn't stand about him instead of focusing on his good traits. If I didn't like some of his topics, all I had to do was be assertive and set boundaries. But I didn't. When I was told a different version of this story about the self-defeating monsters we create through our thoughts and emotions, I immediately thought of the first time I went water skiing. Our family friends had a boat. I was instructed to be sure to let go of the rope that held me up when I fell in the water. Every time I said go at the beginning, the boat sped fast enough to pop me up, but that meant the rope tugged hard on my arms. I held onto the rope for dear life. When I finally glided over the water more than a yard, the incoming wake threw me off the skis. I dragged behind the boat. 
because I held on to the rope. Water went places it should never go. And all I could do was hold on to the rope. My friends in the boat were yelling, let go of the rope, as I gulped water while still holding tightly onto the rope. Finally, it registered I needed to let go of my tight grip or I might drown. When I let go, the waters around me settled and I could finally catch my breath. That is the same simple solution with monsters that we mentally create. We just have to let go of the rope and the battle will end. So what makes it easy for our thoughts and focus to expand? It's all because of our reticular activating system. Let's just call it our RAS. What is our RAS, you ask? It's the formation of nerve cells that sits deep in our brainstem between our brain and spinal cord that acts like a filter to protect you from all the sensory data we get bombarded with day in and day out, such as sounds, tastes, smells, images, and pictures, and thoughts. We get hit with millions of data at a time, but our brain only has the ability to process a few chunks at a time, and that information is good at focusing on what we deem important. Maybe you've experienced this expansion after you've purchased a new car or gotten a new haircut. You then notice all the other models that are similar to the new car you just bought, and it seems as if everyone has the same haircut that you now have. Why didn't we notice these details before? because we weren't focusing on them. In order to be efficient, our brain must filter out all the distractions. Like I said before, there's more than 2 million bits of information that we experience daily. So our brain's RAS acts like a control center that either rejects or accepts the incoming data through a process of deletion, generalization, or distortion that are all based off our prejudices, beliefs, and values. Just this Sunday at church, we broke into groups to discuss our gospel topic. That meant over 20 people were talking at the same time. I just researched more about our RAS the day before. So it was fun to see my brain in action. I was able to delete the noises the other groups were making, and I was able to focus on what my own group were reading and saying. So in my Brady story... My brain kept alerting me to the things I was focusing on, which were the negative things that Brady said or did. The things that Brady said and did then acted like a threat to my well-being. This is the negative side of the RAS. It doesn't pick and choose what our focus will be. We get to decide that. But the positive side of having an ARS filter is that we can change our focus. It might take some effort, but our RAS is there to alert us to the important information we want to focus on. That's why reading positive affirmations or positive quotes, or better yet, reading our scriptures to see how God deals with us, is a boost. It's because it allows us to focus on the uplifting aspects of our lives and positive aspects of others will expand. This will leave us in a positive place where we can see positive things from what we read and hear. But what happens when we tend to get stuck battling with the negative feelings or situations that come up in our lives? How do we let it go? Because we have the ability to call back emotions and memories, we have the ability to reframe negative situations and negative thoughts into something more desirable. 
The first time I heard of the term reframing, I immediately thought of reframing an old photo for a new look. This therapeutic technique can allow you to reframe an old image that keeps coming up in relationships that will encourage new thoughts, new meaning, and new behavior. So in my Brady monster illustration, if I reframed the monstrous images I'd given Brady with the features Brady really had, I'd already be changing the way I viewed him. Seeing his dark brown hair and his dark eyes along with a nice smile gets rid of the shadow of disgust and I see a whole new person. Brady was just a single guy who wanted to be appreciated, accepted, and acknowledged just like I did. By trashing the old picture I had of him and replacing it with his real picture, I don't feel as threatened as if he's holding a rope. And no battle ensues. Now, if you've had this monstrous picture of someone else in your mind that you've held for a long time, it's going to take some practice at seeing a new image. But we have the ability to create images and pictures in our minds. Just think of the images you see when you read a book. Reframing works with past memories or in situations you're currently dealing with. Did you know that there are three stages to storing a memory? The first stage is called encoding. When we are first exposed to information that is either seen or heard, we generally give it meaning through some sort of logic. Just a picture can speak volumes. When we assign meaning, it it gives it depth. I'm a visual learner, so seeing images and pictures makes it easy for me to remember details. It's amazing how the first time you hear pops and creaks of your house at night when you're trying to sleep will alarm you. But after that first initial exposure to the sounds of a house settling, you don't pay attention to the sounds anymore. Phrases we say out loud can also be encoded and assigned meaning. To process new information, we might also try to logically assign what we hear and see into some sort of category to comprehend and remember so that we can then retrieve it later. Okay, when we reframe pictures and images that we see, we can disarm any negative emotions that come up by seeing the image. Even reframing colors that we see can also change the pictures that face negative emotions. Instead of gray and dark, we can visualize a calming color. We can reframe sounds. Low growls aren't going to keep you calm. Neither is a negative demeaning statement that you've heard over and over. Not long ago, I had to change a confrontational image I had stored in my memory that had distanced me from someone I cared about. In order to reframe the painful memory, I had to envision a kind phrase the individual had said. I created an image of this individual standing with open arms wearing a peaceful pink sweater. This new statement was pivotal in reframing my negative thoughts about this person. Any time the negative past would rear its ugly head with its old image of confrontation and the nasty words that were said, I'd immediately refocus on what I wanted to hear and see with this new image so that I could focus on the positive image. When we reassign a meaning to a bad situation, it helps in reframing the story. This reframing can also help from staying in a victim mode. The other two stages to memory are storage, so short-term memory and long-term memory, and then there's the retrieving. I'll just say that the retrieving is going to come up 
or come into play as you reframe. If the new image, words, or meaning you assign to the problem doesn't stick, you're going to have to go back to reframing what you see and hear until it has a pleasant meaning that will keep you away from the monstrous images that want to pull you deep in a hole. There are other ways to reframe a situation like asking different questions that make you see the lessons that the problem can bring or even questions that can help you understand someone else's behavior. But in this episode, I wanted to focus more on reframing the images, words, and meanings that we assign. So now it's your turn to reframe something that has bothered you, either in the past or for something you're dealing with right now that seems to be pulling you down. Thanks for joining me, creativelyanddeliberately.com.